Welcome to a bonus segment here on Sports Shenanigans with Mullet in Houston. We are joined by not only good friend of the show, but brother of the show, Colin Houston, to talk about some MLB baseball because I don't know anything about it. So we need someone else on here to talk about it with Casey. Um, so, <laughs> so we're going to get started. We had some events that happened over the past week in baseball um, with the All-Star break. We're going to start with the Home Run Derby. Colin, what were your thoughts on the Home Run Derby? Well, I have had I've had a lot of time to think about how I felt about the Home Run Derby, and I've changed my opinion numerous times. <laughs> um, so originally, I, I love the Home Run Derby. It's one of the most exciting things about All-Star Weekend as far as MLB goes, but originally I didn't like it, and now that I've kind of had time to sit back and think about it and process my own personal feelings about the Home Run Derby and whether the balls were juiced or not, um, I think it is a good thing, and it was a good thing for baseball. But do I think the balls were juiced? Yes, but maybe not as much as people think. What does, uh, for someone who doesn't follow baseball, like what, yeah, what does the balls being juiced mean? So it's really how the ball is made. And so the inside or in the inside of every ball is a rubber core. And then around it is some string. It used to be yarn, but it really comes down to how tightly packed the ball is. So the more tightly packed it is, the hotter it is, and so the more it jumps off the bat. Um, Another thing I think is they use these one-time-only bats in the Home Run Derby, and I don't know how those are different than the regularly manufactured ones because you'll see different colors, like different nationalities because there's a lot of Dominican Republic baseball players. There's a lot of Cuban baseball players, so you'll see them represent their nationality. And so they have those different bats, and those may also help with the home run um, totals. But I think it really comes – I mean, the juice balls is how tightly wound the ball is. And then I have a question just as someone who, again, is not familiar with baseball. I was watching the home run derby, and I feel like they don't throw it as hard as they would in a game. So Mm – so. I feel like the real home run champion would be determined by the guy who can hit the most home runs off of actual pitches. The home run derby has always been this kind of toss it up there, hit it as far as you can. You can go back to when Mickey Mantle and Hank Aaron uh, did the home run derby many, many years ago. It was just a one-on-one kind of exhibition kind of thing. It wasn't really part of all-star weekend or all-star it's not really a weekend, but I think that's that's a good kind of take on things. I think that would be cool, too, to see. But I think the thing is, is when you back somebody up to 60 feet, 6 inches, it's not as easy for them to throw it over the plate. A lot of times you have these guys who are bringing out their dads or their brothers or their, you know, long-lost best friends. And they're just kind of they're just kind of tossing it up there, and, and they're doing with whatever they kind of can with it. But the other thing I, I like how you I want to talk about what you said um, as far as just the tossing it up there because that was kind of what 
turned me off as far as this home run derby goes is these pitchers are only tossing the ball up there 40, 50 miles an hour, and these guys are hitting it 470, 480. I mean, they're just crushing the baseball. That's what kind of led me to think the balls are juiced more so than they have been the rest of this year. So I I think it'd be cool if you could do it from the 60 feet, 6 inches, but I think it'd be you wouldn't see the numbers that you did um, this weekend. And then I did see, is the balls being juiced just in the home run derby or in baseball as a whole? Because I saw that they've had more than, like last year they had like 94 home runs that were over a certain amount of feet. I want to say 400. And this year they've already had 100 halfway through the year. So is it all across baseball or was it just the home run derby that this has been a question? So Justin Verlander is a pitcher for the Astros in Houston. Um, he's really outspoken as far as what the baseballs are. I have sat down and thought about what he says because he just says it's a joke and that the MLB is just juicing the balls for the fan purposes. It's not really helping the game. I think a contributing factor in the home run totals this year also is the fact that there are so many guys pitching in the league that throw 95 miles an hour and above. And I think mm-hmm. that has a significant impact on how many home runs are being hit and how far they're being hit because the faster you throw a baseball, you don't have to swing as hard and it's going to go further, especially mm-hmm. if you hit under the ball like a lot of players are doing because right now baseball is all about launch angle and swinging up at the ball trying to hit those home runs because, I mean, let's face it, the casual fan loves home runs. Diehard fans, probably more so like myself, we love, you know, hit and runs and bunts and all that stuff, but that's not really going to draw in the younger generation who maybe don't understand or like those small things about baseball. And that you see that across sports too with football. I mean, essentially defense is playing flag football and they're just throwing the ball down the field. And the NBA, it's all about the three point shot which is it it caters to the fan and i mean ultimately sports are an entertainment thing for people and they're paying to come to these games so they want to be entertained so i understand that colin what so yellow christian yelich backed out of the home run derby but he still played in the all-star game what are your thoughts on that was he backing out because he knew he was going to play vlad who hit like (laughs) 29 in the first one and didn't want to look like a fool what are your thoughts there? So I've heard people say that or think that. I don't think so. I think he backed out because he had a legitimate – I think – I don't remember what was wrong. Maybe a back? I think it was um, his back. I think it was his back that was kind of tweaked a little bit. So, I mean, just think about this. So Vlad hit 29 home runs just straight out the gate. So he's going to step up to the plate down 29-0, and he's going to have to swing and swing and swing. I mean – if he ties Vlad, he hits 29 home runs, which means he probably swings, I don't know, 40 times. Probably around that's that. A, that's a lot of swings, um, especially with the tweaked back. And the way he's playing this year is just downright phenomenal. I mean, he's going to win the MVP and then oh, again, uh, he'll probably win the SB, the SB award next year too, just for the way he's played. But that's what I think but I can see why people would think that he backed out. But honestly, I don't think he would be intimidated by Vlad Jr. because Vlad Jr. is only a rookie. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, I mean, it was downright 
unbelievable what Vlad did. 29 in the first round, 29 in the second round, and then the back and forth he had with uh, Pedersen. I mean, he, that's so many home runs. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So Chapman came in. He got notified 24 hours before the home run derby actually happened. How do you think he actually fared knowing he had just 24 hours of advance, like, to go into the home run derby to face, uh, face Vlad? I think he, I think he did. I mean, he did better than me. I'm not going to hit any, but <laughs> he hit 13. I mean, step it up down 29. I, I don't even know where you begin as far as what you're going to do. And then I think the other thing, I don't, he had, I think it was his dad maybe throwing to him, mm-hmm. and I watched his at-bats, and, I mean, there were pitches way outside, inside. I think the last couple, he almost hit him. So, I mean, that doesn't help. I mean, no. if you can get in a groove with your pitcher, that's when those guys go on those 29 home run streaks. But I think he did all right. All righty. So, with Vlad setting the record in the first round, and then the second round he also tied that, and throughout the entire Homer Derby, it didn't really seem like they were abiding by the rule of once the ball lands, that's when they can throw the pitch. So do you think that's how the Homer Derby should be? Just pitch it, swing, pitch it, swing, pitch it, swing? Or should they actually have followed that rule? As a rule follower in general, I don't like that they didn't follow that rule because it says, hey, this <laughs> is a rule, let's do it. And there were some guys that, kind of followed it i don't think any of them followed it to a t there were some guys that maybe did wait a little longer than others but i think just i mean they're not following it just get rid of the umpire who's just standing there anyway and just let them swing as many times as they can four minutes all right so vlad obviously be him and then petterson versus vlad was that the best part of homer like homer derby in all of the time that we've had it or is there others that have compared to that one? I think as far as duels, I think that has to be number one because you've got two guys that hit 29 home runs, and then they're doing the three swing. I think it was three swings. Sudden death. That That's just – I think that's the best duel you've had. As far as, like, moments, I think – I still think that the best moment is Josh Hamilton's 28 home runs in Yankee Stadium because – at that time, the home run derby was 10 outs. Mm-hmm. So he only had, so he had 10 outs. So he had 30, he swung the bat 38 times and hit 28 home runs. Vlad Jr. swung 55, 60 times maybe and hit 29. I, I think Josh Hamilton's 28 in Yankee Stadium is still the best moment or the best, I don't know what you want to say, output or performance but Vlad Jr. and Jock's duel was the best as far as that goes in the rest of the rounds because everybody knows about Vlad being like the big dropping 29 27 and then however many it was in each of the rounds outside of all of the duels that Vlad had which was the best home run duel between the other parts of the bracket so you've got Pete Alonzo and Santana, who were 14 and 13 in that first round, and then even Alonzo and Ronald Acuna Jr., that was 20 and 19. So both of those were close. I think that probably the Acuna Jr., Acuna Jr. and Alonzo one was the best on the other side of the bracket because it was the semifinals to get into the finals 
and then Pete Alonso beat Vlad 23 to 22. So it was competitive all night. There was only the one blowout with Vlad and Chapman, and then Josh Bell and Ronald Acuna Jr. He beat him by seven. So Pete Alonso and Vlad, it wasn't like, like the greatest of final rounds, but they still put up 22, and then Alonso hit 23. When you first like tuned in to watch the Home Run Derby, did you think that Alonzo would be in the finals or Vlad would be in there? I think if I would have, if you would have asked me before it started, I would have picked, I would have picked Jock Pedersen just because he's done it before. Mm-hmm. He knows what he, he knows kind of the strategy because I think there is a strategy to it because they do get a timeout. Um, and I think the fact that he'd been there before probably helped him. And I probably on the other end would have picked Josh Bell just because he's a behemoth of a man. Um, <laughs> he hit one, he hit a pop-up that probably was 900 feet high, and then it bounced short of the warning track and then bounced over the wall in left center, which is like a 30-foot wall. So that's another thing that kind of led me to believe that the ball might be juiced or progressive field, I think is what it's still called, they probably need to recheck their turf because they're playing on concrete. <laughs> okay, so the winner of the Home Run Derby got to take home $1 million, and Pete Alonso this year will only make about just over half a million dollars. So he doubled pay, his contract. Payday. Payday for him. I have and a so, question about that. Yeah. So baseball, you know, put up a million dollars for the winner of the Home Run Derby. It was it – was, from what I heard, considered to be a very good home run derby, one of the better ones. Do you think this is something that think leagues like the NFL, like the NBA, will start implementing in their, you know, slam dunk competition, the Pro Bowl skills challenge? I mean, stuff like their all star stuff. Do you think they'll start putting up money to get athletes to perform? I hope so. the The dunk contest is. I mean, it's cool and it's entertaining. But, like, you don't have a LeBron, you don't have a, you know, Giannis out there. You have, you probably won't even have Zion this year, because he probably won't do it. He no. said he wouldn't. Yeah, so I think <laughs> you get You get, like, Zach Levine, who the only reason yeah. anyone knows his name is because of the dunk contest. <laughs> right, exactly. I hope so, but, I mean, the NBA guys, they're making so much money, one million isn't going to do it. I mean, it's yeah. Gonna, Crazy amount of money. And then in the NFL, I mean, the NFL Pro Bowl is kind of a joke because there's no tackling, there's no hitting, there's none of that. But I always enjoyed watching, like, the skills competitions where they would throw those footballs with the blue paint or blue chalk on it and try and hit a moving target. Those were always cool just because you get to see the personalities of, like, the quarterbacks or the running backs just doing goofy stuff. I think they need to bring that back in the NFL because I think that's more enjoyable than watching a cruddy game. And then I don't know about the the NBA is entertaining. I think as far as a whole, the NBA's whole weekend is the best. The Pro Bowl is third, and baseball is pretty good, but they don't really have a celebrity type. They do, but it's on late at night after the Home Run Derby, so you've stayed up till 11 o'clock, and then – I don't really want to stay up another hour and a half to watch J.R. Smith hit softballs with a shirt off. <laughs> as much as I love J.R. 
Pro Bowl is a very good idea and concept. Like, you want to see a game where Aaron Rodgers is throwing to Odell Beckham. You want to see a game where yeah. all the best players are coming together. But it's just... I think it's perfect in Madden because there's, like, no risk of injury. Like, when I'm sitting there watching the Pro Bowl, like, I'll see Andrew Luck out there, and I actually want him on the bench because I don't want to risk him getting hurt. So nope. maybe, like, if the Pro Bowl changed to, like – and then, well, another problem with the Pro Bowl is you get the guys who realize there's a risk of injury so they don't want to play, so you end up with all, like, the B-list Pro Bowl. But mm-hmm. the if you, like, switch the Pro Bowl to, like, flag football – or you just focus mainly on the skills challenge, like stuff that players wouldn't necessarily get injured or less injury prone. And I mean, just to try it. Cause right. Like you said, right now it's a joke. I mean, it's just kind of, <laughs> mm-hmm. no one cares about it. So I do think that baseball does their all-star week very well as far as getting events going on that people actually care to see. I would like to see them do something like the NBA and do maybe like a fielding kind of contest, just hitting ground balls at them in different angles and stuff and see them throw. I mean, that's that's an entertaining part of going to a baseball game is watching them go out and warm up because they're just – they make it look so easy. Yeah. And it's, it's just so cool to watch somebody get a ball on a gap and just throw, you know, throw across the diamond. Like I just watched Aaron Judge – pick one up in the corner and throw a missile to third base and throw the guy out. I mean, that that's amazing. I mean, I think people, I think people would enjoy that. I think it might take a little time for it to take off, but I'd like to see the MLB do something like that. Cause right now it really is just the home run derby, the all-star game and the celebrity softball game. That's like a day before all of that, but they don't even air it until later. Yep. And then, I had a question because baseball, you talk about like the NFL stars aren't as big as the NBA stars because they're wearing helmets. NBA stars are more visible. Baseball players are more visible as well, but their stars aren't near as big as the NBA or the NFL. I just was wondering what your thoughts are of the, is it the MLB not doing a good enough job of marketing their stars or is it, less people watching baseball like I don't know what it is so I think baseball is in an awesome position because they are starting that trend the NBA is already there they do a great job as far as marketing and things like that baseball under Bud C League and even going back further than that you know it was a it was a professional game you know you wore your uniform the right way, you shaved your beard, like you didn't really maybe showcase the characters or the different personalities of players. But I think in since Rob Mansfield has been the commissioner, things have started to pick up more towards that. So they have what's called Players Weekend, which is coming up I think in September, um, where they wear they wear these cool jerseys, they have nicknames on the back. You'll see a lot of them just floating around. I, I see a lot of Javier Baez ones. I'm just living here in Indiana, and I, I can't remember what it says on the back. It's it's a Spanish word on the back, but it's just it's a cool kind of thing to just showcase. It's called Players Weekend. So, um, and then the All Star Game, same kind of thing. You've got more exposure there. 
I think the long season maybe hurts it a little bit, but I think baseball's starting to get there. Because, like, even in the NFL, I mean, you've got all the commercials. You've got the Peyton Manning commercials. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, things like that where those players are more visible. You see their personality. They're funny. You know, they have TV speaking engagements, whereas baseball never really had that outside of post-game press conferences and things like that. And Bryce Harper's kind of a big, I think, proponent of that. He's got this, you know, the Donald Trump make America great again. But it's make <laughs> baseball fun again, which, I mean, baseball's to me has always been fun. But I think it's appealing more to the casual fan with the home runs and more of the character stuff. It's drawing in a younger generation who maybe didn't play baseball, don't understand baseball, but you know what? They like seeing somebody hit the ball 500 feet. So I'll have Casey take over this part for the most part, but I'll just start with the ESPYs with Christian Yelich. And the last thing I'll say on it is, as a casual fan, I haven't heard of Christian Yelich. Yeah. And I and I actually haven't heard uh, who all was nominated. I don't think I heard. I haven't heard of any of the nominees. I've heard of Mike Trout. Uh-huh. I've heard of Bryce Harper. I've yeah. heard of Chris Bryant. I've yeah. heard of Verlander. The I, you know I've heard of these guys, but I haven't heard of any of the other guys that were actually nominated for best MLB player and that actually won MLB player. So that's my thought on it. And you guys run with that. That's all right. So the people who were nominated for it were Buki Betts, Kristen Yelich, who did win it, Jacob Degrom, and then Blake Snell. So okay. why did Christian why did Christian Yelich win it? So we can tell help Bo out there. Well, <laughs> out of that group, I mean, I think his biggest competition would have been Betts. Snell is young; he pitches for the Rays. I don't know. I think he had a good year out last year, but Yelich won the MVP last year. He's probably going to win the NL again this year. Mookie Betts plays for the Red Sox. They won the World Series last year. He's a young guy. Um, really, all those guys are young. I mean, Yelich, he's 27, so would you say Blake Snell? I don't know how old he is, but he's he's early 20s, probably 25, 24, 26, somewhere in there. Grom, DeGrom's young, and then Mookie's, Mookie's 26. So I think Yelich won because he was the MVP and he had an absurd year. Um, which probably makes Marlins fans extremely depressed because they traded Yelich, they traded Stanton, they traded, I think it was uh, Real Munto maybe. They, they traded their catcher. They they did a complete and total overhaul, and all of those guys are are either killing it like Stanton and Yelich, or they're they're very serviceable guys in the MLB. I understand why they did it, but. I think Yelich won because he's going to be the or he was the MVP and he had an absurd year and Milwaukee was good but they weren't he was the missing piece and he's been the missing piece for them all year to them just being a really good contender in the NL Central as opposed to kind of a lower two team kind of thing. Is there anything Colin that like you had prepared to talk about? I mean, Is I just anything about baseball in general. Yeah, that too. I mean, do you got anything? Um, yeah. So, what I kind of <laughs> said was, this is real quick, but what I said was, or we kind of alluded to how young 
the guys that were nominated for the ESPYs were. And just, I want to talk about how young the all-star teams were. Of the starting lineup in the National League, Freddie Freeman was the oldest guy, and he's 29. Wow. Um, you know, you've got the second baseman's 25. Wilson Contreras, the catcher's 27. Nolan Arenado's 28. And he also went to the same high school as Matt Chapman, so that's kind of crazy. They were like two years apart, and they're both all-stars. Yelich is 27. Cody Bellinger's 24. Ronald Acuna Jr. is 21. Oh, that makes you feel great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what was I doing at 21? You know, what am I all doing with my guys, life? <laughs> all these guys are, are under 30, and, and some of them significantly under 30. You yeah. know, in the AL, you've got Carlos Santana, who is 33, DJ LeMay, who's 31. Hunter Pence was the DH, and he's 36, but he's having a renaissance year. He's riding off into the sunset. But, I mean, baseball as a whole, that's why I, I kind of said it's in a cool spot because not only is it progressing as far as trying to be more marketable to the younger generation and maybe the casual fan, but all these guys are young, you know? They're going to continue to get better, and they're going to continue to get more exposure. So, you know, maybe in two or three years, Bo will know all these guys because <laughs> of just the changes that the MLB is doing. And then I even wrote, like, those guys that I kind of went off and mentioned, some of them have been in the All-Star game multiple times at, like, 26, 25, 24. Like Gary Sanchez, Alex Bregman, Mike Trout, he's – 27 he's kind of old but he's been to like seven he's been to like seven all-star games i mean i don't think it's seven but he's been he's probably been to six five or six you know aaron judge didn't get the all-star selection this year but that's because he was hurt but i mean he's 26 26 27 i mean bryce harper is 26 and he didn't get it because he's kind of had a little bit of a down year but i mean it's a young game, and I mean, I think that's the same thing, kind of, not so much, not with the NFL, because you have, like, Tom Brady, and you've got generational players that play 20 years at quarterback, but in the NBA, you have guys that play 18 years, but, you know, LeBron's 30-something, Steph's 30-something, you know, these guys are probably only have a handful of years left, but baseball has, you know, these guys have 10 15 years left so that's just really cool for me as a diehard fan i enjoy all these young guys because i know that the future is very very bright as far as baseball goes i have one last question okay would you be able to give us a mid-season update as to what teams are looking like they're contenders teams a team that you think isn't up there right now, but you think will be? Absolutely. So in the AL East, you have the Yankees who are in first place, Tampa Bay six back, the Red Sox are 10 back, the Blue Jays and Orioles are uh, almost mathematically eliminated. The <laughs> AL Central, the Ouch. Twins are in first, Cleveland six and a half back, the White Sox are 14 and a half back, and the Royals and Tigers are also pretty much mathematically eliminated. The AL West, the Astros are in first, A's are six, games back, the Rangers are nine, the Angels are 11, the Mariners are very far back. Uh, in the NL, you've got the Braves, 
who are in first, the Nats are in second, the Phillies are in third. Central, the the NL Central is probably the coolest division or the most fun division as far as competitiveness goes because the Cubs are in first and last place is only six and a half games back, which seems like a lot, but it's really not because say the Reds who are six and a half back, you know, sweep a team, they win four straight and the Cubs lose three out of four. That lead is down to like two games. And then the NOS, the Dodgers are in first, and everybody else is significantly behind them. As far as the dominant teams, I think, are the teams that are going to probably be playing for a World Series. You've got the Yankees, who are in first, the Astros, who are in first, and the Dodgers. I would say the Dodgers are going to win the NL because they're just so good and so dominant right now. I don't really see another NL team being able to take them down. Maybe the Braves. I don't know. But I don't I don't see maybe the NL Central teams being able to take them down right now. And then I think the Yankees and the Astros are going to play probably either for the AL uh, title or in the division round, and it'll be, a, it'll be probably a six- or seven-game series. I think a dark horse to look out for maybe is – the Red Sox, because they're defending, they're defending their world title, and I think if they can sneak in, they're really dangerous because they are loaded. I think also the Cardinals are a really interesting team to me because they are they are super young. Um, if you look up like top twenty five and under baseball players, there's like five Cardinals on that list. So you know they're a team that is going to be a force probably here for the next several years. But I think my favorites are the Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers. Uh, as a Yankees fan, I'd love to tell you that I have lots of faith and the Yankees will win. But that's barring the injury bug, which has been an epidemic in New York this year. Everybody's yeah. been hurt. Everyone. So... For the most people, set yeah. or IL now. If they get healthy, then I think that's a different story. Um, but I think you're probably going to see the Dodgers and probably the Astros or the Yankees. All right. Well, I think that's about going to wrap it up for this bonus segment of MLB coverage here on Sports Shenanigans. I do want to say that although I might have appeared clueless, I did play fantasy baseball for one year in a league with Casey and Colin and other baseball studs, and I won, even though I still can't tell you what any of those stats mean. So. (laughs) There you go. Shout it from the rooftop, man. (laughs) And I'll never play again. So that wraps us up here. Me and Casey will be back next week with some recap on the sports world, and uh, we'll definitely have Colin back, definitely for MLB and most likely for other things because he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. So I love it. I'd love to. 